Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. <laughs> My daughters are like, I hear you talk all the time. I don't want to hear you talk anymore. All right, so happy Mother's Day, everybody. Um, I know a lot of people are visiting their moms, and um, I actually didn't realize it was Mother's Day until we got here. So happy Mother's Day to the mother of my children, <laughs> and, and then I guess I'll call my mom later. Um, I'll text her. I'll just text her. <laughs> no, I'll call her. <laughs> uh, so yeah, call your mom today. That's a reminder for you. And also, if you're a mom in here with us today, uh, we have a gift for you. So pick it up on the way out. Uh, there'll be, I don't know where there'll be. Michelle will talk about it later as well, right? So there's a little gift we have for you today. We're not a, a typical church in terms of Mother's Day where we, uh, we've never done a Mother's Day sermon. So today I'm not going to do a Mother's Day sermon. Um, that's pretty much all I'm going to say on Mother's Day right there. And now we're going to talk about singleness. So we're in this, we're in this series in 1 Corinthians where we're going through the, this letter that Paul wrote to the church. And he's dealing with all these different issues. He's, he's touching on so many different topics. And last week we talked about marriage. The week before we talked about sex, I believe. And the week before, something else. Well, today, on Mother's Day, it just, happen, it just happens to be we're talking about singleness. It wasn't planned, uh, but that's what we're talking about today. And also, Megan playing worship by herself wasn't planned for the topic of singleness either. Uh, that just happened because everybody's gone for Mother's Day. So that just, that just ended up happening. Um, but it's kind of cool imagery. Megan does not need a band, guys. She doesn't need a band. She is... <laughs> she can... She could do it on her own, so um, we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, and by the way, it was beautiful. I love, uh, I love when we do a stripped-down set like this sometimes, um, because uh, on Good Good Father in particular, it was noticeable. I could just hear everybody singing, and it was so great. And sometimes when we have the drums and the electric up there and all those things, it's, it's a little more difficult to hear people singing. So it was awesome just to hear that in us, just worshiping God in that moment. Uh, so, uh, yeah, singleness today. Uh, I was actually, this is, this isn't, I wasn't looking extremely forward to talking about this topic because it's very, it can be very touchy for people who, who are in the church in particular um, because we haven't, as a church, we haven't really, not, not Trinity Life Church, but as, as the church in general, we haven't done a good job at talking about singleness and what it means and what it means for you if you're single and what it means for you if you're married um, in, terms of, in terms of those who are single. So um, I want to say a couple things leading up to the passage. One, um, I'm not going to preach a regular, it's not going to be like a normal 
like how I normally do sermons today. Um, I just really asked God what he wants to say to you today if you're single. And God gave me six things he wants to say to you if you're single today. And um, so that's what we're going to go through today as we walk through the passage. So it's not going to feel like a normal sermon as much as it normally does. Um, Because I just prayed, God, give me something to give to our single people today. Um, And also, not just this sermon isn't just for those of you who are single. It's for those of you who are married as well. And here's the thing. Let's tease out singleness a bit. Uh, because when I say that word, you already have some baggage. You already have a, some, some conception or perception in your mind. You already have presuppositions that you brought into that word. And so I want to make sure we're all on the same page with what I mean when I say singleness. Because our culture says one thing about singleness. The Bible says something different about singleness. So singleness, uh, basically, in the Bible can more specifically be referred to as celibacy, okay? Um, because if you, are, if you are in a single s- state right now, if, you have, if your status is single, because basically in the Bible, there's married and there's single. There's no like in a relationship or out of a relationship. It's, it's just married or single. Um, and, uh, and then you have widows and you have divorced, uh, but those would fall into the unmarried category, right? So you have unmarried, and then you have married, basically. So the Bible never uses the word single, so you have unmarried and married. Um, But for those of you who are single and followers of Jesus, you are also celibate. You're chaste. You have, if you're following Jesus, you are at least temporary, temporarily celibate. Okay, um, and so the Bible has this category as well, where it talks about celibacy. And so when I when you hear me say singleness throughout throughout the talk today, I want you to hear celibacy in there uh, for followers of Jesus, because Paul is talking to the church here. He's talking to those who have committed their lives to Christ, and because of that, they've committed their lives to celibacy, or they should have. Now that's part of the problem in this passage is that they have they haven't they they don't know how to do this, and that's why we talked about sex two weeks ago. That's why we talked about sexual immorality and and other things that Paul deals with in this letter to to the Corinthians because they haven't quite figured it out yet. So in your singleness, if you're a follower of Jesus, just to be clear, you're also celibate, at least temporarily, okay? And your calling is celibacy, at least temporarily. And we'll talk about that a little later. So Let's jump into this passage. Um, like normally I have something that I give you guys, like remember this statement, this is the bottom line of the sermon. Well, I don't have that today because there's actually six things I want you to remember because these are six things that God uh, spoke to me throughout this past week as I poured over this passage that I believe he wants to give you if you're single. So here's the first thing. One, your fulfillment comes from me. That isn't very groundbreaking. I know, you're like, okay, I've heard that all my life. Uh, Whether you're single or you're married. And Paul starts out with saying, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. And there's actually debate as to to whether Paul is talking about the previous passage uh, about marriage, or he's talking about this passage about singleness. So uh, I was talking to Catherine on our BLG on Tuesday, and she was saying, well, doesn't this refer to before? 
Well, Catherine, if you're in here, there's actually debate on this. Like, it could. Some people say it does, and some people say it refers to this. So whether you're single or married, your fulfillment comes from me. God wants you to know that today. And this is something that we hear all the time. If you've been in the church any length of time, if you are a follower of Jesus, you've heard this over and over again. Yes, I know I'm supposed to find my fulfillment in Jesus. I'm supposed to find my fulfillment in God. But I need to say this as the very first thing that God wants you to know, whether you're single or you're married, that singleness is never going to fulfill you. Marriage is never going to fulfill you. It's only God who's going to fulfill you. And that has to be the foundation of any status in life of any circumstance in life, of any stage in life, that we know that he's a good father. And we know that if we're going to be truly satisfied, it's only going to come in Jesus Christ. Okay? So, moving on to number two. This is 1 Corinthians 7, 7. Paul says, I wish that all were as myself. Let me stop there. Why do you think Paul says that? So, Paul is single, When I say he's single, Paul is celibate. Why do you think he says, I wish that everyone was like me? Because you're in a war for your soul. And this is something that gets overlooked a lot in the Christian Christian faith, in the Christian life, is that you're actually in a war for your soul. You're in a war against the enemy. You're in a war against your own sin. You're in a war against yourself. You're in a war for your soul. And in your singleness, God wants you to realize that above all else. That you are in a war for your soul. And this is another one of those foundational things that God's, uh, that God's giving us in order for me to get more specific as we move into the six things. But here's the thing. Uh, Paul says this later on. Uh, I think we have the next passage up here, right? 32 or 35 or, yep, 32. Here we go. So Paul says this later on in the chapter. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman, she's anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband, for instance. In verse 35, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any strain upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Paul's goal is for us to be undividedly devoted to the Lord. And that's what God, God wants. Now, Missy and I will um, we'll celebrate 13 years of marriage tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just... It's just 13. You don't have to clap. 13 is like a bad, it's bad luck. So, it's going to be our worst year of marriage. Now, um, so we'll celebrate 13 years. Uh, and Missy and I, um, I mean, I, we have one of the healthiest marriages I know of. We're, we have a very healthy marriage. Um, 
we, uh, I love her more today than ever. Um, she's more beautiful to me today than the first day I saw her. Um, yeah, she feels the same way about me, by the way. Uh, actually, why don't you come up here and talk about me, and I'll sit down. <laughs> she, um, I mean, she is, she's just tremendous. She's, I've been, just giving an update on my shingles, so I feel better today than I've felt the past three weeks. Um, I'm almost done with shingles, like my pain is almost gone. It's still there in my left arm, but it's almost gone. Um, and Missy has carried our family on her back for the past three weeks and just done everything. I mean, she's, she's been, I mean, done everything she normally does, plus take care of me <laughs> and do what I normally do. So she's, she's just amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been, it'll be 13 years. I mean, we have two beautiful daughters. But if I knew what I know now, about the faith, if I was where I am now, in Jesus, back when I was 23 years old and got married to Missy, if I was the guy I am now, I probably wouldn't have gotten married back then. Because of this. Because marriage and children, although they're great gifts from God, they divide your devotion to the Lord. You'll see Paul says later, well, if you're married, stay married. Make the best of it, he says, uh, because you can live it as unto God. Uh, and Missy feels the same way, because guess what, guys? My, my life isn't Missy. Missy's life isn't me. Our lives certainly aren't our kids. They're going to be gone in a few years. We're raising them up to release them into the world. Our lives are, are centered around Jesus, and fortunately for us in our marriage, we've said, we'll go wherever you want us to go, God. We'll do whatever you want us to do, God. And, and that's it. And we both agree on that. But most Christian marriages aren't that way. And Paul says, it's because you're just divided. Your devotion to the Lord is divided. And he says, I wish that all were like myself. Because if you realized that your sole purpose here is not to get married, that you're actually in a war for your soul. If you realize that your sole purpose, your destiny, is in Christ Jesus, not in somebody else who's temporary, then it'd be so much easier for you, he's saying. It'd be so much easier for you to, to be devoted to the Lord. And so that's why I say if I was the guy I am now, I wouldn't have gotten married back then because I would have been like, well, I'm all for Jesus. Um, but back then, I wanted more than that. So um, we got married, and now we made the most of the past 13 years. <laughs> no, but we've said, we made a point to say in our marriage, God, whatever you want, wherever you want, and, and that's it. No matter if we leave family, no matter if we quit jobs, no matter if we um, lose, lose money, no matter if any of those things, it's all for you, Jesus. And because we're both devoted to that, that's why our marriage looks the way it does now. That's actually why we're in Toronto. Um, that's why we do anything in our lives. And Paul's saying, our sole purpose is to be devoted to God. And what you need to realize is you're not just here to live a comfortable life, that you are actually in a war for your soul. 
And the enemy does not sleep. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion. But we're the ones who are, who are sleeping, he's saying. And he's like, wake up, guys. Salvation is nearer to us today than when we first believed, he says in Romans. He says, so put on the Lord Jesus Christ and cast off the works of the flesh. Cast off the works of darkness because you are children of light. And that is your purpose. So in your singleness, in your, in your uh, marriage, that's, that's your sole purpose. If it's not, then it's going to look like this. You're going to have anxieties, you're going to be worried, your interests are going to be divided, etc., etc. But he says, gosh, I say this for your own benefit, guys. In order to promote good order and a secure undivided devotion to the Lord. So that's the second thing. Uh, the third thing is singleness is a calling, not an identity. And this comes from the second part of, of the verse here. Um, in verse 7, Paul says, But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one another. And that word for gift there that Paul uses is the word for spiritual gifts. It's the word for, for gifts that are freely given from God to us through the Spirit. And so Paul here is calling something a gift. And the question is, well, what, what is he calling a gift? Um, I've heard people say that the gift is singleness. Oh, if you're single, that's a gift. Um, how many of you guys who are single feel like your singleness is a gift? Uh, I don't know many people would say, yeah, yeah, that's me. Oh, I got one. I got one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not actually, he's not actually referring to singleness, and he's not actually referring to celibacy. It's not that celibacy is a gift either. Um, he's referring to self-control. He's saying those of you guys who are called to be celibate, who are called to this, this single state, um, and we'll get into it in verse 9 later, but the gift is actually self-control. And what God wants you to hear here, here in this, in this uh, verse, is that singleness is a calling, not an identity. Okay, if you're single... It's a calling right now. Even if it's temporary, it's your calling right now to be devoted wholly and fully to the Lord if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Not to worry about what's to come. Do you think God cares if you're married or not? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. He doesn't say God wants you to be married or not. What do you think God does care about? Your full devotion to him. And some of us are, are so busy in trying to secure success, relationships, job, what, whatever is fill in the blank, that God is saying, I'm just waiting here for you to be fully devoted to me. And what I'm not saying is, well, if you, if you devote yourself fully to God, he's going to give you all these things. That's not what I'm saying. The Bible doesn't say that either. The Bible does make it clear that God wants you to be fully devoted to him. It's all or nothing. And I'm not saying you will be married or you won't be married. I can't tell you that for you individually, that God uh, wants that for you or, or he has that plan for you. Because I actually don't know if God cares if you are married or not married. 
And that sounds bad, right? Because there are, some of us were like, oh, well, I've been wanting to be married all my life. And why wouldn't God want to give me a good gift? And maybe he does. But I can't tell you for sure if he does. Because marriage is not the end all. And for those of you guys who are married, you know that. Those of you guys who thought marriage would fulfill you, know that it does not. And that it never will. Those of you guys who thought sex would fulfill you, like you saved yourself for marriage and you finally had sex, found out that sex wasn't as great as you thought it was going to be. Um, that, it, that it, because it didn't fulfill you. And it never will. And so if you're single or married, God just wants you to be fully devoted to him in whatever state you are. And singleness here, like I said, it's not an identity, it's a calling. And for you, it may be a particular calling for this particular season, or it may be more elongated. And sometimes, you know, when we hear calling, we think there's this mystical element to it. I remember when I was, when I sensed the call to ministry, the first question I got was, well, how did that happen? How did you know your call to ministry? Um, and... Uh, and it was a weird question to me because I kind of just, when I started going to church, I just thought, well, everyone has a calling. Everyone, God is trying to lead all of us into something. He's trying to show us, I mean, that's what God does, right? He calls us, he equips us, he, he puts us in situations for his glory. And it just came to a point in my life where I said, what brings me the most joy in my life? What does God want me to do? How has he gifted me? And... I just felt a tug on my heart that it was ministry. And all those things came together into, into ministry. And I knew I wanted to be fully devoted to God. And then ministry fell into, fell into that place. Now for you, if you're a doctor, for instance, if you talk to Aaron, who's not here today, he's like living it up in Europe or something, right? Um, he, he's, he just finished med school. And his whole calling... I mean, his whole med school was a calling. Like, he knows he's doing this because God has led him into that. And so whatever it is, it doesn't have to be ministry. Whatever you are working in, whatever your state of life is in, it should be you hearing from God and following Jesus into that season, into that job, into that um, familial state, into whatever it is. Um, And in the same way, singleness is this calling. And it might change for you over time okay right now when we talk about celibacy you might say well yeah i'm I'm gonna be celibate now because i'm not married but i'm gonna get married one day um and i don't know for those for those people for the friends of mine who are single and they're they're older you know 50s uh 40s 50s and above um i don't know if they felt the call to singleness or celibacy in their 20s and said you know, when their hormones are raging, if they're like, yeah, I'm going to be celibate the rest of my life. Um, most of those become nuns or, or priests, right? But they, they just said, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait for Jesus. And then in their 30s, they said the same thing. In their 40s, they said the same thing. And then they eventually woke up and they realized, maybe this is a lifelong calling. Maybe I'm just going to be celibate the rest of my life. And it, and it kind of shifted and changed and changed for them. But all, all those that I know who are at that stage now, they have a common identity in Jesus Christ and devoting themselves to the Lord. And that never changed. 
And so calling might change, but identity never changes. Just take my calling into ministry, for instance. It was just this general call. It started out in seminary, and then I was a youth pastor, and then I was a professor, and then I was a church planter, and now we've planted a church, and then it's more pastor or builder or multiplier, or I don't know, however you want to call it, but it has changed throughout, but my identity has stayed the same. If you take away Trinity life from my, from my life, if you take it away from me, if you take pastoring away, my call to ministry away, it doesn't change who I am in Jesus Christ. And so in your singleness, know that although it's a calling right now, it does not define who you are. Singleness does not define you. Jesus defines you. Marriage does not define you. Jesus defines you. Our culture says otherwise. Our culture says things like this. And this is like a mix of Christian culture and secular culture. It says things like, oh, um, you're such a great guy. You're such a great girl. Why aren't you married? Or, oh, that's why. That's why he's still single. Yeah, I get it now. And it's this implicit undertow, uh, undertone of, you're, of gr- only great people get married. Like, oh, you're so great. Why aren't you married? Well, basically you're saying, well, only, only people who are great get married. Only people who are desirable get married. Um, look around at the married couples in the room. You can see that's not true. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mar- married couples are like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that's not true, guys. Your singleness does not define you. Okay, Jesus does. And we're going to go into that a little bit more. Let's go to the fourth thing. Singleness does not mean loneliness. So this is coming out of 1 Corinthians 7 verse 8. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. When Paul says it's good there, he uses this, this word in, in the Greek that, that doesn't refer to it meaning, it doesn't mean that it's good in the sense of um, it's better than marriage. He's not saying singleness is better than marriage. Just like last week I said marriage isn't intrinsically better than singleness. Um, he's saying that, oh, well, it's acceptable. Like both are acceptable. And he's saying it's, it's good. Not that, it's, that this is good and this is bad, but yeah, just both are good. And what he's also not saying is that it's necessarily desirable. He's not putting that on it. He's, he's just saying it's acceptable. He's not saying you should desire singleness. So if you're, if you're married or you're desiring marriage as a single, don't feel like, oh, it's a sin that I'm desiring this because I should be fully devoted to God. No, that's not what I'm saying. You can still be fully devoted to God and be married. It's just more difficult. You can still be fully devoted to God and have kids. It's just more difficult. And Paul is saying in your singleness, it's easier. If you're single, you're like, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying what Paul is saying. I'm just saying what the Bible is saying. He's saying it's easier. Um, and uh, it's, and anyways, so, um, so what he's not saying is that it's more desirable necessarily. He's just saying it's good. Now this is kind of in contrast to Genesis 2 verse 18 where, where God says, it is good that man should not be alone, right? So he looks at, he's created Adam, and he says, oh, he's, he's just by himself. And he says, it's good that he should not be by himself. 
And then Paul here says, well, it's good for them to remain single. So how do we, how do we reconcile those two? Well, a lot of times what people do with that Genesis passage is say that God was saying to Adam that he needed to be married. And God is not saying that. Now, Adam marries Eve later on in this passage. When God looks at Adam and he says it's good that he should not be alone, he's talking about community. He's saying just Adam needs community. Adam needs somebody else. And he creates Eve, he creates a woman in order to create more community. So they have kids, they have a family, and it creates a whole us, (laughs) a whole race. So, but first when he looks at Adam, he's just saying, wow, Adam can't be alone. He needs community. Now, and that's why God wants you to hear this morning that your singleness does not necessarily mean loneliness. You do not have to suffer in your singleness. You do not have to be lonely in your singleness. And actually, you have a lot more bandwidth to be, uh, to have relationships in your singleness. And uh, someone in our BOG, I think it was Simon, pointed this out on Tuesday, that you just have so much more bandwidth to be single, to have friends, to have actual intimate, deep relationships with friends. Where, whereas in marriage, you're devoted to this one person, and it's harder to have friends outside of marriage. And I hear you saying, if you're single, you're like, well, but I want, I want marriage. I want that relationship. I want something more, more uh, intimate, which we'll get to in the next point. But um, God wants you to hear first that just because you don't have a husband-wife-spouse relationship with somebody doesn't mean that you have to be lonely. That friendships are there, and you actually have more of a bandwidth to go deeper with friendships and more of, more of a, a breadth to do that uh, than a married person does. And, um, and Paul's saying, guys, it's, it's good. I want you to realize that it's good. Let's go to the fifth thing. Don't confuse intimacy with sexuality. God wants you to hear that today. He says, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. It's such a weird verse. <laughs> this is, this is a, um, a lot of people say this is one of the most awkward verses in the scripture. Because it's just like, what? Burn with passion? Like, Paul's like, yeah, you're just a bunch of rowdy teenagers. Uh, your hormones are crazy. He's like, if you can't exercise self-control, then just marry somebody. No, that's not what Paul's saying. Um, he's, self-control here, he's not saying, oh, you're just so burning that you can't exercise self-control. He's saying uh, self-control, he talks about self-control later on as a fruit of the Spirit. This is a fruit of the Spirit working in your lives in Galatians 5, and 23. Uh, this is just when the Spirit works in you, he produces this in you, along with love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and then self-control. And what Paul is saying here is that uh, some of us, uh, it's not that we can't control our passions. It's not that we're like, oh, I'm just going to go have sex with everything because I can't like, control myself. He's saying that uh, some of us haven't reached that point in our spiritual development where that is a present fruit of the Spirit that's working in our lives. And we, we can't devote ourselves to that yet. 
And so he's like, hey, maybe you guys should, should get married and, and do that. So, and what God wants us to hear from that is just not to confuse intimacy with sexuality. You guys who are single, you may think you'll never have the most intimate relationship uh, in your life because you, you've committed yourself to celibacy. And sexuality and intimacy do not go hand in hand. Um, now, sexuality can be a form of intimacy. Sex can be a form of, in, of intimacy. But as I talked about two weeks ago, it isn't always the case. And more and more in our culture, it isn't the case. It's just a physical interaction to most of the people in our culture. It has nothing to do with intimacy. And if, and if, you're, and if you're married, sometimes you, you know that, that it's not always intimate. Um, and, and hopefully you're moving towards that because it, it should be, but it's not always that way. Okay? And so we shouldn't confuse those two things. We shouldn't equate sex with intimacy because that's not, that's not the case. And God doesn't want you to do that or, or equating intimacy with marriage because that's not always the case. Okay? There's, so many, there's so many marriages where intimacy is not even there. And that's in the church and outside of the church. You look at the, the stats for, for marriage and there's just as many Christians getting divorced as there are those outside the church. Um, and that's just the reality of it because, because somewhere along the line, someone believed a lie. For instance, they thought marriage was the same thing as intimacy and they got into marriage and they realized, well, that, that wasn't right. Or they thought sex was going to fulfill them in marriage and they realized, oh, well, that wasn't right. Or, you know, we can put anything in that blank and, and keep on going. But God is saying to you this morning, if you're single, don't equate those two things. You can still have intimacy today without sex. You can still have intimacy today without marriage. This leads us into the last thing. God just wants to know he loves you. The last thing God wants you to hear this morning is I love you. And sometimes as a single, you think, does God love me? Does he love me as much as he loves that person? Why is that person married? Like, why are all my friends married and having kids and I'm still here? Not. Does God love them more? And the answer to that is no. God does not love a married person more than a single person. God is not withholding a gift from you that he's given to somebody else. Don't, God is not Santa Claus. It's not like you've been bad and he's given you a stocking full of coal and he's given this person a new power wheel. I always wanted a power wheel growing up. I never got one. Um, God, God isn't doing that. Okay? Remember what I said? I don't even know if God cares if you're married. He just cares that you're following him. Whether you're married or you're single. And that's why I also believe there's not one person for you out there. So if you're single, let's just get rid of that myth. There's not like one dream person for you, your soulmate out there. You know, I talked about missing our, our marriage and we're, we're perfectly matched. We are, we laugh together every day. Um, 
the things that I hate to do around the house, she, I won't say she loves to do, but she would rather do the things, and vice versa, the things that she hates, like I would rather do. I mean, you know, we can go, there's so many things we're perfectly matched in. Um, and you could see it in our girls, like their personalities are just a mix of ours. And, um, but guess what, guys? It wasn't because we're soulmates. It's because we worked at it. It's because we intentionally made it that way. We intentionally said, we have to do this. And if we're going to make this work, then we have to work on this. And when we're done with that, we got to work on this. And when we're done with that, we have to work on this. And that's why I think you can do that with anybody if you're actually devoted to the Lord. And so, um, God is saying to you this morning, just that he loves you. That he doesn't love you less than he loves somebody else because they have something that you don't have. God's goodness does not depend on what he does give you or what he doesn't give you. I've said that like every sermon in the past three weeks. He's good regardless. Let me show you this quote by a guy named Sam Albury. He's a UK pastor, um, editor, uh, pastor, I think, yeah, author, founder of a ministry called Living Out. And he says this. It's a pretty long quote. Just follow along with me. He says, singleness like, and he's single, by the way. He says, singleness, like marriage, has a unique way of testifying to the gospel of grace. Jesus said there will be no marriage in the new creation. Do you guys hear that? Marriage is temporary. So if you're single, something that you've wanted all your life, if it is marriage, is temporary. It's not eternal. You will not be married to your spouse in eternity. Some of you guys are like, thank God. <laughs> Some of you guys, that, that's, very, that's really sad. And if that's really sad for you, you laugh too hard at that, Isaac. <laughs> Elaine's like, oh. Um, if, if, uh, if that makes you sad, then your devotion isn't to the Lord. You have mixed up your devotion and you put your spouse in the place where God should be. Um, so Jesus said there'll be no marriage in the new creation. And that respect will be like the angels, neither marrying nor being given in marriage. We will have the reality so we'll no longer need the signposts. Marriage is pointing us to God, just like singleness is. By for, and here, here's where he says it. By foregoing marriage now, singleness is a way of both anticipating this reality and testifying to its goodness. The reality being that none of us will be married in the new heavens, the new earth, in eternity. Okay? Like I said, I've been married for 13 years. And that seems like a long time to some of you guys because that's like a lot of some of you guys' some of your lives, uh, 13 years. Um, but even for someone, I think Missy's parents are going to celebrate 45 or something like that this, this year or somewhere around there. Like that's nothing compared to eternity. And what's, what Sam Albury is saying is that we're anticipating this reality in our singleness and it's testifying to the goodness of that reality. That if we're followers of Jesus, that's what we're going for. He says it's a way of saying this future reality, that one in the future, new heaven and the new earth, is so certain that we can actually live according to it right now. If marriage shows us the shape of the gospel, this is what we talked about last week with the Christ in the church, singleness shows us its sufficiency. 
Ah, how powerful is that? That in your singleness, you can showcase the sufficiency of the gospel. And the gospel being Jesus Christ. It's a way of declaring to a world obsessed with sexual and romantic, and romantic intimacy that these things are not ultimate. And that in Christ, we possess what is ultimate. Celibacy isn't a waste of our sexuality. Just cast that lie aside. It's a wonderful way of fulfilling it. It's allowing our sexual feelings to point us to the reality of the gospel. It's kind of like fasting. If you've ever fasted from food, and when you have those hunger pangs, it reminds you that you're dependent on Jesus alone for food, and by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, as Jesus says. This is the same thing, what, this is the parallel that Sam is, is making here. He says we will never ultimately make sense of what our sexuality is unless we know what it's for. To point us to God's love for us in Christ. Marriage, just as marriage points to this beautiful picture of Christ in the church, singleness points us to the church's devotion to Christ. And I said last week that we can actually trace marriage throughout the entire scriptures. We can, we can see that the, you know, just in the, beginning of the gospel, in the beginning of the Bible, we hear about a marriage, Adam and Eve. At the end of the Bible, we have Christ in the church. We can actually do this with singleness as well. We can trace this theme of singleness throughout the entire scriptures. And I know you're probably tired of hearing this as a single person, but Jesus shows us a life that is lived like that. And you're probably like, oh, well, here goes the Jesus' single card. But... Jesus shows us that this life isn't actually just possible, but that it's fulfilling and it's abundant. He shows us a life that is devoid of sexual intimacy, but that is fulfilled by spiritual intimacy. Something much greater than we could ever get in a mere physical act of, of, of sex, um, which as I said in marriage is also spiritual, but in the context of marriage. Um, and Jesus shows us that it's possible. And not that it's just possible, but maybe, maybe it's even desirable, depending on where our devotion is. The, the, these passages in Isaiah, I'm going to walk you guys through, show us this theology of, of singleness. And Isaiah 52 and 53 are are these, Isaiah is often called the fifth gospel. So you have Matthew, you have Mark, you have Luke, you have John. And Isaiah is called this fifth gospel because it happens hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus, but it talks about Jesus in a way that is so powerful and beautiful. And in Isaiah 52 and 53, uh, Isaiah is talking about uh, the suffering servant, the Messiah, the servant who's gonna come and, and suffer for us and take away our sins and... Um, and bear the penalty for us. And it says here in verse 10, chapter 53, it says, Yet it is the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. Jesus was never married. So he's not talking about physical offspring, right? He's talking about something, something much greater than that. 
He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. That's a, that's a reference to the resurrection. Um, I'll, I can explain that later. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be counted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. So his offspring are those who are counted as righteous. And, and then in, in chapter 54, he says this, Sing, O barren one, who did not bear. He's talking about Jesus here. Sing, O barren one, who did not bear. Even though he has offspring, remember that. Break forth in a singing and cry aloud, O you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. So all we see is expansion here. That's what verse 2 is. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left and your offspring, again you hear offspring, will possess the nations and will, and will people the desolate cities. And then in verse, or chapter 55 he says this, and this is where we see the satisfaction in Jesus and Jesus alone. He says, come everyone who thirsts. Come to the water, see who has no money. Come buy and eat. And in your singleness sometimes you feel desolate, right? You feel like you don't have this, but, but Isaiah is saying, no, we do. We have it in him. In devotion to him, he says, come everyone who thirsts. You have all the water you want. You have all the money you want. You have all the wine and the milk, all that you want without price. He says, why do you keep on spending your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Why are you guys so concerned about sex? Why are you so concerned about getting married? Why are you so concerned about having kids? Why are you so concerned about uh, your job, and your, whatever it is? He says, stop spending money on those things and listen diligently to me because I want to feed you what is good. I want you to delight yourselves in rich food. Verse 3 says, incline your ear and come to me and hear that your soul may live. Marriage does not make your soul live. Sex does not make your soul live. Only the spirit of the living God makes your soul live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. And behold, and whenever you see behold in the Bible, it's like this firework went off. So behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Talking about Jesus here, the Messiah. In verse five, behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you. When's the last time you ran just for fun? My girls run all the time. They run everywhere. If you have kids, they just run everywhere. It's kind of weird. Like, who does that? Like, who just runs everywhere like that? And that's the picture he's giving us here, that the nations, if we're devoted to Jesus, if we find our rest in him, our, our thirst is quenched in him, our food, our sustenance, our fulfillment, we're going to run to Jesus like children. Like children who just run to go get a snack from the kitchen. And it's such a beautiful picture. Because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he 
has glorified you. He's glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. And then in Isaiah chapter 56, he says this. Thus says the Lord, keep justice and do righteousness. He's talking to, keep in mind here, he's talking to us as single people. We're all single at some point. He's talking to us as single people devoted to God. This is for you whether you're single now or you're married, whatever your relationship status is. Keep justice and do righteousness for soon my salvation will come and righteousness will be revealed because blessed is the man who does this and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And here we go. Let not the eunuch say, and the eunuch is the person who is celibate, okay? So let not the celibate say, behold, I am a dry tree. You're not in a desolate place in your life, he says. You don't have to be. You don't have to suffer in your singleness. He says, let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. For thus says the Lord. Are you going to believe what, what, you, what you say or what culture says to you? Or are you going to believe what God is about to say to you? And he says, to the eunuchs, to the celibate, to the single, who keep my Sabbaths, who devote themselves to me, is what that means, the Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Whatever state you're in, I hope you realize today that what matters in your life is devotion to God. Jesus says, blessed are those who consider themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm married and I consider myself a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. So I'll do whatever it takes for Jesus. And we're in a war, guys. And most of us don't bring our families into the war. I don't see many people going off to war and bringing their kids. That's why Paul says it's, it's good. It's actually better. He's like, I wish everyone was like I am. And you may not get to that point in your life where, where that desire for marriage goes away, but I hope that your desire for Jesus eclipses it and informs it so that when you are married, you can say, God, we'll go wherever you want us to go, do whatever you want us to do for your sake, for this reason, because it's better than sons and daughters. It's a name that shall not be cut off. I hope your relationship status actually begins to define you in a new way. Not because you're single or married or widowed or divorced or 
single again or in a relationship or out of a relationship, but because your relationship with Jesus begins to define you above and beyond anything that this world puts on you. Your identity is not in your relationship status. It's in your relationship with Christ. And God wants you to hear that this morning so that you're free in your singleness, that you're not, that you don't feel bound by it. You don't feel caged by it or you don't feel depressed about it, but that he's just turning your face towards him. He's a lift of your head. He's lifting up your chin towards him and saying, why do you need anything else besides me? Why do you need a, a temporary relationship to tie you over to get to me? He's saying, you weren't created for that. You were created for something much greater than that. Your offspring was meant to be something much greater than that. Your life was meant to be lived much greater than that. And he's trying to draw you into that this morning. So whether you're a believer this morning or not a follower of Jesus, know that Jesus loves you this morning. That he just wants a relationship with you. And that's all he desires from you is just your love because he showed his love to us on the cross. And so I want to invite you into that this morning as we go into communion because this represents the body and blood of Jesus. And as we sing, as we sing this morning, I want us to, to sing like we're no longer caged by our relationship status, but we are devoted wholly and completely to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you gave everything for us. You showed us that it's actually possible for us to give everything to you. We get so distracted by what is temporary, by what is ephemeral, by what is fleeting. And we forget that we were created for eternity. That we were created for things that are unseen, that are forever. And so thank you for reminding us of that this morning. And I pray that you just help us to respond this morning to you. Not in a way that's, that's um, begrudging or, or in sadness, but in a way where we just open our hands to you and say, God, take whatever you want, do whatever you want with me, and lead me wherever you want me to go. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And pray all this in your name. more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.